<laughs> All right. <laughs> well, my name's Mark. I'm one of the leaders here at Christ Central Church, and it's so good to be able to welcome you here this morning. And uh, whether you're here in person at 140 Clark Street or whether you're meeting us online, um, it's good to connect with you in either way. And maybe you're watching this later on as well on our YouTube channel. Good to have you join us in that way too. Today we're going to be starting a new preaching series after we've come, now we've completed the letter to the Philippians. Um, so we're excited about that. But before we get into that, I just want to remind you uh, about one big question which I spoke about uh, last week when Joe and I were doing the Vision Sunday and uh, we were looking uh, to all the things that we're doing this, this term. And one big question, we can put the slide up as well, uh, one big question is this. Um, uh, we're encouraging everyone in the church, everyone from youngest to the oldest, to ask at least one person, if you're able, at least one person, a survey question. We're doing a survey. And it's a very short survey because it's only got one question in it. So we're asking everyone to ask at least one person one question. And it's one, and we're going to ask them what their one big question is. So it's all about one question. All right, the question is this. If you could ask God one question and you knew it would be answered, what would it be? So we're asking people to fill out that either themselves or if you ask someone a question, you can fill it out. Or you can go onto our website and they just scroll down from the homepage. There's a little button you can click. You can fill out the answer that people give you on that. Um, if you fill out a card, please put that card in the mailbox, which is just on the pillar here, or just give it to one of the leaders in the church. They'll get it to us. And after a few weeks' time, the 11th of October is the deadline we're giving for this part of it, we're going to take the five most popular questions, the five most common questions, and we're going to deal with them in our meetings through the month of November. So you've just got two more weeks to ask your friends and your neighbors, the networks of people uh, that you're involved with to get the responses to us. So hopefully you can do that. If you don't have any of these cards, they're available on the welcome desk. Okay, one big question. All right, if you have a Bible with us, you might want to turn to the book of Acts and we're going to get stuck in to our new series. We're going to read the first five verses today, which is somewhat of an introduction to the book. Um, and we'll get straight into it. So Acts chapter 1, and we're going to read verses 1 through 5. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave them many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. All right. So let's start off with a bit of background information to help us into this book of Acts. The book of Acts is pretty much universally agreed and acknowledged to have been written by a guy called Luke. And he was a doctor 
and he was a friend of Paul's. Um, and Paul refers to him in his letter to the Colossians. Later on in Acts, as we get further on, we'll see that he was actually one of Paul's traveling companions. He would go around with Paul on some of his missionary journeys. And right from verse 1, we see that this book of Acts is the second book that Luke has written to someone called Theophilus. And we don't really know exactly who Theophilus is or was. A lot of people think that he financed uh, Luke's research and his writing um, of, of the books that he, he did. We don't really know for sure, but his name means lover of God. And so we can think, well, if we love God, this book is written to us. Um, so it can apply to us. So Acts is his second book. Okay, here's a question for the kids, elementary school kids, maybe. Okay, Acts was the second book that Luke wrote. Who can guess or knows what his first book was? What was the first book that Luke wrote? Okay, go on then, one of you two. I couldn't quite hear that. <laughs> it was about the story of Jesus. And what was the book called? It was called Luke. <laughs> well done. Good job. <laughs> so, his first book was called Luke. His second book was called Acts. And uh, Luke is taking the role of a historian. At the start of the book of Luke, he says that. He says, I've carefully investigated everything from the beginning and I have decided to write an orderly account. So we can tell by that that Luke was the Joe Crummy of his day. <laughs> Carefully investigated everything, decided he's going to write an orderly account. <laughs> all right, in his first book, Luke wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up into heaven. That's what he says at the start of the book of Luke. Uh, he wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up into heaven. So the book of Luke begins with uh, Jesus' birth. It has a bit about his childhood in it. It has his baptism by John. Uh, it has his teaching in it, parables, healings. And then it goes right through to the deliverance. It goes through to the last week before his, of his uh, life before his crucifixion in Jerusalem. And then it ends with his resurrection. And it ends uh, with his appearance to his disciples and then his ascension into heaven. And Luke says, he, Jesus gave many convincing proofs to his disciples, to the apostles, as they became known, that he was alive. And we can see what some of those convincing proofs were. Uh, we just have to look at the end of Luke's gospel, Luke chapter 24. It says that he appeared to his disciples, but they thought that he was a ghost. That's what happened. He appeared to his disciples. They thought he was a ghost. So he said, so he, what did he do? What were the proofs? He got them to touch him. He got them to feel him. He said, feel my bones and my flesh. I'm not a ghost. And then he says, has anyone got a piece of broiled fish? He asked for some broiled fish and he ate, he ate the broiled fish. That was one of the convincing proofs that Jesus was indeed alive because obviously ghosts don't eat broiled fish. Anyone know what they do eat, by the way? Booberries, yeah? And ice cream. Ice cream. I know, it's bad. <laughs> All right. So anyway, after 40 days, 
I'll cut that joke out of the second meme. After, <laughs> after 40 days, Jesus ascended into heaven, and that's where the book of Luke ends. So now Luke's picking things up again in the book of Acts, um, but it's not as though he's finished writing about Jesus. It's not like, oh, well, this, this book was about Jesus, and, and this book's about the church. Actually, the book of Acts continues to describe what Jesus did. Um, but this time, what he did after he descended to heaven, because he's still alive. Jesus is still alive, and so he's still living. He's still active. It's describing what he did after he ascended to heaven through his apostles by the power of the Holy Spirit. The full title of the book of Acts usually gets said to be the Acts of the Apostles. That's what often people say, oh, but Acts, the Acts of the Apostles. That's not a great title um, because it's not just about what the apostles did. It doesn't account for the fact that it was the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus, who was at work in the church. It was God who was at work. It was Jesus through his Spirit who was at work in the early church. So some people say, oh, we, we shouldn't call it the Acts of the Apostles. We should call it the Acts of the Holy Spirit. Well, maybe that's better, but it's not a great title either because it leaves out the fact that the Holy Spirit was working through people. The Holy Spirit was working through the apostles. The Holy Spirit was working through the church. John Stott has said the book should be called The Continuing Words and Deeds of Jesus by His Spirit Through the Apostles. Always one for a snappy title was John. <laughs> That's what he thinks it should have been called. We'll call it Acts. But you get the point. The book is still about what Jesus did, even though he's ascended to heaven. So that's who wrote the book. That's what the book of Acts is about. But what we need to do is we need to understand how to read and understand the book of Acts. Because we could say, oh, Luke, he was a historian. So it's a historical book. It's a history of the early church. But God doesn't want us to look and read this book as historians. When I was at school, I didn't enjoy history at all. I couldn't really see the point of it. I kind of can now. We can learn a lot from history. But at the time, I couldn't see what the point was to learn about what a lot of dead people did. Obviously, they weren't dead at the time, but you get my point. I couldn't see what was the point. Why would we look back and see what a lot of dead people had done? Well, and we can read the book of Acts and we can think, oh, okay, that's very interesting. It's really good to know how the early church started. It's really good to know what God was doing 2,000 years ago in a culture that's completely different to ours. But if we look at it in that way, we can think, well, it's nothing to do with us, really. It's not got a whole lot to do with us. They were living in very different times. No, that's not the way that God wants us to read the book of Acts. So as we go through the book of Acts over the next weeks, months, however long it takes us to go through the book of Acts. We need to be reading the book of Acts in a very different way to that. We're not looking at it as a history. We want to look at the book of Acts and approach it seeing, yes, what God used to do, but also to see well, what God still wants to do today through us now in his church, what he has been doing for centuries. But what does he want to do now? 
What's God doing now? And, it, and we put it into practice. We've got to put this book into practice, the things that we learn from this book. Some people think that being a Christian is just about learning more stuff. It's about coming to church on a Sunday and hearing stuff and learning it. Or reading the Bible. You've got to read the Bible because then you can learn more stuff. You can learn more things about Jesus. Let's memorize scripture so we can learn more things. Well, those things are not bad things to do. It's good to read the Bible. It's good to memorize scripture. But we're not doing it just so that we can learn it. We've not got an exam coming up. We've not got a test coming up on, on it. That's not what it's about. He's calling us to do things in partnership with him, in the power of the Holy Spirit. He's calling us to be active, to do some of these same things. Let's have a look at a short video clip and see how Francis Chan puts this himself. When I was a kid, we used to play this game called Simon Says. Right, most of us have played that, unless you're really young, because there's no app for it. It, Simon says, is uh, you know, you just Simon says, pat your head, you know. So okay, you know, Simon said it. Um, It's just, it was a very simple game, but it's so weird how, in the church, Jesus says is a totally different game. If Jesus says something, you don't have to do it; you just have to memorize it. You, 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 you study it, you memorize You guys, it, it doesn't make any sense. A lot of the things we do, when he tells us to go out and make disciples, and how many people in the, our churches are actually making disciples? They memorized it. You know, when I tell my daughter, hey, hey Rach, go clean your room. She doesn't come back to me two hours later and go, I memorized what you said. <laughs> you said, Rach, go clean your room. I can say it in Greek. (laughs) My friends are going to come over and we're going to have a study on what it would look like if I cleaned my room. (laughs) She knows better than that. And so why do we think we're going to come before the judge one day and quote everything that he said Talk about how much we know. It's just, it's just this black and white stuff. If I just started with scripture, I'd go, here's what I would do. I would start making disciples. He puts it a lot better than I can put it. God calls us to be disciples. He calls us to go and make other disciples. To preach the gospel, to baptize people, to build the church. He doesn't want us just to learn his words about it. He wants us to do it. And as we get through the book of Acts, that's what we want to get hold of. Are we going to do the things that he wants us to do, that he's called us to do? What he did 2,000 years ago through his early church and through the apostles, he wants to do through us. Now, of course, we have to realize that as we go through and read the book of Acts, some things are in their specific historical and geographic context. But we can see what God was doing at the pouring out of the Holy Spirit and the birth of the church, and we apply it to our lives, our context here in Canada, 21st century. So how could we do that? 
How can we do that? So the rest of this message, I just want to use these verses, maybe just one verse, maybe just verse four, really, as a specific example as to how we can apply this whole book of Acts that Luke has written. So verse four of chapter one says, we can go back to maybe the slide that we had before. Verse, uh, verse four of chapter one says that on one occasion, Jesus spoke with his disciples and he said, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father has promised, which you heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. All right, so how do we apply that verse to ourselves? Of course, part of that verse is specific to the disciples. Stay in Jerusalem. We don't live in Jerusalem. So God doesn't want people who get saved and baptized to say, the next thing I've got to do is buy a plane ticket to Jerusalem, and we go to Jerusalem, and then we've got to wait for the Holy Spirit to fill us. That's not what God is wanting us to do, and most of us would realize that. You know, we, we read it, we know we're not going to do that. It's specific to those people at the time. And so some people then would go on and say, well, okay, so this verse isn't relevant to us. This verse isn't relevant. The baptism of the Holy Spirit, it was just for those disciples. It was just for those apostles. Everything that happened on later in the book of Acts through those apostles, it was just for that time. We can't expect miracles and healings and signs and wonders and speaking in different languages and all the other things that we're going to read about in the book of Acts. We can't expect that for today. Some people go the other way and they say, all of this is not it's historical. It's just based what God was doing. Very specific time. Very specific time in history. That's what God was doing then. It's not relevant to us. How do we know that's not true? Because it, it might make some sort of sense in our thinking. How do we know that's not true? Well, the way we know it's not true is we have to um, look at what the rest of the Bible says. We have to look at what the rest of the Scripture says. And there's a principle that we use for this. It's pretty simple, and it, it's this. Scripture interprets Scripture. How do we know what a verse particularly means if we've got a few options, if we're not really sure? Well, the place that we go is other Scriptures. It's not our own thoughts. It's not what someone else might say. It's not looking historically, well, what does the rest of Scripture say? How does Scripture help us to interpret Scripture? So we look at what the rest of the New Testament says about this. Well, we can just go into Acts chapter 2, one chapter later. At Acts chapter 2, day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit gets poured out to, his, to, to the disciples, and they're all speaking in different languages, and they're filled with boldness, and they're telling people about Jesus and his death and resurrection and how they can repent and be forgiven of their sins. And then Peter stands up, and he says this to the people, because they say, well, what should we do? What should we do about all this? And Peter says this, repent and be baptized. And he says, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then he, he goes even further than that. He says, the promise is the promise of the Spirit. The promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, for 
all whom the Lord God will call. Jesus is saying the promise of the Holy Spirit isn't just for us, apostles. It's for you here today in Jerusalem, 3,000 of you who've just been, um, been, become Christians. And it's for your children as they receive Jesus as well. And it's for everyone who's far off. That might be geographical. It might be in time. Uh, everyone who God will call. It's pretty clear. He's not left it open to interpretation there. He said the Spirit is for everyone. That means it's for us. That means it's for us here in Fredericton or wherever you're watching, 21st century. The promise is for us. We can receive the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus in our lives. We don't have to go to Jerusalem to receive it because it's for all who are far off. But there's something about the verse that we do have to realize. Because, okay, we don't have to go to Jerusalem to receive the Spirit. We've realized that we can receive it today. But we need to realize that not only can we receive the Spirit of Jesus, we need to receive the Holy Spirit. We need to receive the Holy Spirit. Because that is why Jesus said to the apostles, stay here. Don't go off and do all this stuff. Yes, you're going to go into Jerusalem and Judea and to the ends of the earth. Okay, he's going to come on to say that. But he's, he's already said to them, go and make disciples and baptize people and all of that, that commission. But he said, don't do it yet. Don't go yet. You have to wait for the Holy Spirit. You have to do what you've been called to do in the power of the Spirit. So we need the Holy Spirit to do anything that Jesus wants us to do. All the things that Francis Chance just said there about making disciples, we need the Holy Spirit if we're going to do that. We need to be filled with this, but it's not optional. It's not a like, oh yeah, I fancy a bit of the Holy Spirit. No, 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 no. We need the Holy Spirit. Why are we even thinking about it? Jesus says, don't go and do it. Don't do it. Until you've received the Spirit, don't do it. Maybe you didn't know that. Maybe you thought once you become a Christian, you have to just do all that Jesus says in your own strength. Maybe you've been taught that. Actually, it's hard work. The truth is we can't do anything in our own strength as Christians. Even Jesus couldn't do anything in his own power as a human being. And Jesus was fully human. He might say, ah, yeah, 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 but, but Jesus was God. He can do anything that he wants to do. He's God, yeah? But as we saw in Philippians chapter 2, it says Jesus didn't count equality with God something to be used for his own advantage. He didn't use the fact that he was God for his own advantage. What does it mean? He relied on the Holy Spirit. He relied on the Holy Spirit, just as we have to rely on the Holy Spirit. So we read lots in the Bible, in the Gospels, how Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit. Here's just a few examples of how he relied on the Spirit's power in his life. Luke chapter 4, verse 1. Jesus, full of the Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Luke chapter 4, verse 14. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. Luke chapter 10, verse 21. At that time, 
Jesus, full of joy through the Holy Spirit, said, I praise you, Father, Lord God of heaven and earth. You see, and those are just a few occasions. And Luke is making it clear, Jesus is full of the Spirit. He's going in the power of the Spirit. And so we see here in Acts chapter 1, and in verse 2, he says this. Luke says this. Um, until the day Jesus was taken up to heaven, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles. Jesus is giving some instructions to his disciples. That's all he's doing. He's not doing a great miracle. He's not feeding the 5,000 like we heard about this morning. He's not turning water into wine. He's not raising people from the dead. He's not casting out demons. He's giving some instructions. You would think he doesn't need the Spirit to do that. But no, Jesus through, gives the instructions through the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit for everything we do. How often do we think that we only need the Spirit in our lives when things get really tough? How often do we think we only need the Spirit in our lives when, we, when we're faced with some things that we're scared of? You know, we might think, oh, I'm going to pray for the Holy Spirit to fill me. We should do. Um, when, we, when we're talking to someone about Jesus, when we're asking someone about the one big question, all right, I'm, I'm going to talk to my neighbor about this. I'm really nervous. I don't know how it's going to go. God, fill me with your Spirit so that I can go and have this conversation with my neighbors. Yeah, we should do that. But not just at those times. We need the Spirit's power for everything. Everything. Jesus needed the Holy Spirit to give instructions to his disciples. The Spirit is not an optional extra. The Spirit is not just for those Christians who are extroverts or who have got certain gifts that they're going to operate in. We need the power of the Holy Spirit living and working in all of our lives for everything we do. The Spirit of God is going to be a major theme in our preaching as we look through the book of Acts because he's so central in everything that happened in the early church and he's so central in our lives as Christians today. So that's why Jesus said to his disciples, wait here in Jerusalem, don't go out and do anything yet because you've not yet received the Holy Spirit. It's not yet been poured out. They couldn't do anything and they had to wait because the Spirit of God hadn't been poured out. It was coming. It was coming pretty soon. It's coming you know, just a few days later, really. But until then, they couldn't do anything. I mean, we see what it's like for followers of Jesus before the Spirit's poured out. We see that at the end of Luke's gospel. We see it in Peter, don't we? Peter loves Jesus. He loves Jesus. And Jesus is talking about his death. And he's, he's saying, you know, everyone's going to desert me. And Peter's like, whoa, whoa I'm not going to desert you. I'm not going to desert you because he loves Jesus. He loves him. I'm ready to go to prison with you, he says, and to death. I'm sure he meant it. But then when Jesus is arrested, he starts following at a distance because he's nervous. And when a servant girl, just a servant girl, no one important, not a Roman official, not one of the Jewish leaders, a servant girl spots him and he's standing by the fire and she goes, well, you were with him, weren't you? He says, I have no idea what you're talking about. I've never even met him. I don't know him. Same day. The same day. That's what it's like being a follower of Jesus, someone who loves Jesus, 
but no spirit. No spirit's power. Oh, how weak we are without the spirit. We're so full of good intentions. Oh, God, we love you. We'll do anything for you. We can't without the power of the spirit. We just are overconfident, but we crumple and fold so quickly. Yet a few weeks later, the Spirit gets poured out. And this same Peter stands up. And, you know, they've been speaking in all sorts of different languages. There's all sorts of things going on. People think they're drunk. You know, there's certainly, Peter's getting a lot of attention now. It's not just one servant girl is giving him attention. It's a lot of people giving him attention. And Peter's not hiding away anymore. And he stands up and he starts boldly talking about Jesus. And he says about him, and he says, and this Jesus, you killed him. You sent him to death. And the, and the crowd are convicted of their sin. And that's when they say, well, what should we do? And he says, well, you need to repent. You can be forgiven. Jesus died for the forgiveness of sins. You can be forgiven. He preaches the gospel powerfully. 3,000 people get saved that day and baptized and added to the church. Well, what's the difference in this guy? He's full of the Spirit. That's the difference. He's the same guy, but he's full of the Spirit. So let's not think we don't need the Spirit. I know some of us are nervous. I know some people have, have, have maybe been put off things in the past and you're nervous and you're like, oh, I don't know, it seems a bit weird, it seems a bit far out for me. I'll get by without any of this spirit stuff, listen, God loves you. He wants the best for you. You see, he's God. He's not going to give you something which is going to harm you. He's not going to give you something which is, which is fake. He says, doesn't he? He, he? he says, Jesus says, you know, you know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will the heavenly father your heavenly Father who loves you. Give good gifts to you if you ask him. He's, he's not going to give you a snake if you ask for an egg. He's not going to give you a serpent. He's not going to give you anything bad. He loves you. He says at the end of that, how much more will your heavenly Father pour out the Holy Spirit on those who ask him, who ask him? And we need to ask him. Again, some people say, oh, well, we just need, some Christians would say, well, we just, okay, we need the Spirit, but we need to wait. It's all God's timing. We just need to wait. We, we don't do anything. We can't, we don't want to be presumptuous and ask. We're just going to wait. Nothing we can do. That was specific to those disciples because the Spirit hadn't even been poured out. But now it has. Peter didn't tell the crowd they had to wait. He didn't say, repent, be baptized, and then wait for the Spirit. No, repent, be baptized. You know, they all come one after the other. Don't get it into your head that we have to keep waiting. You know, if you repent, if you receive Jesus, and you repent and receive Jesus in your life for the forgiveness of your sins, you don't really have to wait to be baptized. Not really. There might be some practicalities to it. You know, it might be the middle of winter and you can't find any water. It's just ice. <laughs> but you don't have to wait to become a better Christian. Sometimes people think that. They think, oh, I've become a Christian, and now I know. And then you suddenly have your eyes open to all these things in your life that you think need sorting out. Well, I need to sort those things out first before I become a Christian. 
what, what do you mean, sort them out? Well, in my own strength, I need to sort them out. No, no, you can repent and you then just can be baptized and you can be filled with the Spirit and then the Spirit of God will help you sort all those things out. People say, no, 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 I, I need to wait. I need to get it sorted. I need to get my life sorted out. You can't. That's the point. You can't. God can and God will. So you might be thinking about all of this and think, I, I'm not sure I've ever received the Holy Spirit in my life. Good news is you can. Not next week. Not when we get to Acts chapter 2. Today. You can today. You don't have to wait. The promise is for you. The promise is for now. And it's a good gift. He's a good gift that the Father's going to pour out. And, and, and once we've received the Spirit, the, the Bible tells us we need to keep receiving the Spirit. It's not a once and for all. We need to keep coming and asking. And maybe some of us here have slipped into just thinking, well, I, I did receive the Spirit at some point, and now life's tough and you're just plodding on. We need the Spirit, church. We need the Spirit. We were singing about it even this morning in that new song that we were singing. So as we go through the book of Acts, now let's not see it as history. It's not a history lesson on the church. We can go into it with an attitude of missionaries. Jesus doesn't want us to just, just admire his life and his power. He wants you to experience it yourself. He wants you to know his life and power through the Spirit. He doesn't just set as an example to struggle and strive after. He wants to empower us. He's calling us into a great adventure with him. It's for the glory of God. It's for the good of the city. He wants, us to give, he wants to give us everything we need, and we need the Spirit's power. And as we go through the book of Acts, I believe we'll see more and understand more about what this mission is that he's calling us to. And it'll involve unexpected things, and it'll involve hardships and battles and miracles and community and strong friendships and God's power being poured out and so much more. Let's engage with it week by week. And engage with God as he builds us into the church he wants us to be. Full of his spirit, sent out to be witnesses into the world. Making disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So why don't we stand now together? Because I just want to pray for us that God will fill us with his spirit. Angela and the band can come back up. Feel free to do that new song if you want. Yeah. Let's just come before God. I can't ex exactly remember the words of that song, but it was something along the lines of, I'm not enough unless you come. That's the truth. We're not enough. We can't do it on our own. Why don't we stand? Why don't we stand with our arms outstretched? There's no special magic thing about that. It, it, it's just a way of saying, God, I'm open to you. You can do whatever you feel comfortable with, but if you're able, maybe put your hands like this. I'm just going to pray. I'm just going to pray as the band begins to play, maybe that the Holy Spirit will come and meet with us again. Some of us may not even know Jesus. You can know Jesus today. All you have to do is repent 
say, God, I, I know I need you. I need forgiveness in my life. I need to be a new creation. That's what you promised. And I need you. Oh, I need you, God, with every breath. I need you. Holy Spirit, I pray you'd begin to just come and move amongst us today. I want to pray for your spirits filling. God, for those of us who have known it in the past and are maybe feeling, yeah, we're, we're dry, we haven't received your spirit, we haven't been asking you for some time. Lord, we're asking you today, fill us. Fill us, oh God. For those of us who've never asked, maybe we've always thought, if God wants to do it, God will do it. I don't need to ask. I just encourage you to begin to ask. And don't fear. Don't fear. God isn't going to harm you as you ask him to fill you with his spirit. He's a good father. He loves you. He loves you. Spirit of God, just come. Begin to fill us. We don't want to rush away. We need you. We receive you right now, Lord. Holy Spirit. When we ask God to fill us, He does. He doesn't say, Well, I might. He does. It's a promise. Some of us might think, well, I'm not feeling anything. He doesn't say you'll feel something. You might. Some of us might be experiencing things right now in the power of the Spirit. That's fine. But that's not part of the promise. The promise is I'm going to fill you. I'm going to send my Spirit. So we receive it in faith. We receive the Spirit in faith. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Angela's just going to start to sing this. Maybe different ones of us might want to join in at different times. But I just encourage us, let's just keep pressing into God. Let's keep focusing on Him. He's here.